Hello, 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 everyone. Thank you for joining and tuning in. This is another episode of Eggs Victed Voices. I am your host, Caroline Gilmore. Thank you for tuning in. I hope everyone has had a wonderful week so far. Today, we are going to talk about a lot of things. <laughs> well, in general, we're, we're going to talk about things that have to deal with incarceration and behind the walls. Last time we talked about relationships, but today, um, I do still speak with all the ladies that I was locked up with, um, whether or how be it may, they might be outside already released or they're still incarcerated, but I still talk to them either texting most of the time or actual phone calls. I prefer text most of the time during the day just because I'm at work. And then at night, you know, after seven o'clock, of course, they're free to call me. But I do keep in contact with the ladies. And um, since my nonprofit started, um, branched out to the youth and to male services as well. So it's now it's just one big blanket of we help everyone. It's not just tailored just for women or just for men. It's for everyone. Because if we can't help anyone, we could point the direction of someone that definitely can. But not to go on a rabbit trail. But I wanted to talk about what it is like to be incarcerated. So like I have said and stated before, um, my incarceration was for a bit of eight years. And um, mine was assault and battery of high and aggravated nature. I don't remember the incident. I don't recall it. I remember things leading up to it, but the actual assault, I don't remember at all. Um, And that part really bothered me for a long time because when I went to court, of course, the CO was there. And, you know, she said, you know, she forgave me. It's okay. You know, I know she wasn't in her right mind. I just wanted to get help. And at that moment, I'm like, see, my mental health at that moment was very, 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 very bad. A divorce, multiple suicide attempts, and in a very diabolically like self-sabotage marriage at the time. It was just ending in no avail of any good. It was just really, really bad. Um, so my mental health was very bad. So just in the fact that I was in court and she stated that, you know, that there was something wrong, I heard it for the first time, like, okay, maybe something isn't right. But I didn't, you know, I didn't hold on to it. So I was sentenced. And when I was sentenced, it was for a 20-year sentence suspended to five. But in the waiting time, I wound up doing three and counting. So, well, together it was eight years. And that felt like so long, but (laughs) it wasn't long at all. As a matter of fact, before I jump into the long story, um, when I was... At first incarcerated, the first year I was there, actually the first month upon hitting the yard, that's what they call it after you get out of receiving, I was crying and I was upset and, you know, teary-eyed. Oh, I don't understand. It's been a long time ago. My kids, my family, I'm going to be so sick. They're going to miss me. I'm going to miss them. And a good friend of mine, who's my best friend now, her name is Brenda, and she said, well, honey, what's the matter? And I told her, and she said, well, do you, you want to know how long, you know, how many years I got to do? And I'm like, okay. She says, well, I have 999 years. Instantly dried up my tears. I know your butt cheeks just clenched, and y'all of y'all just probably grew about two inches, didn't you? You just heard that. Yes, 999 years. If that doesn't make your, or at the time, if that didn't make my five-year sentence 
any less of anything, I couldn't say one word. She told me that. I froze. I said nothing else. I shut my mouth. How in the world? I never complained about anything after that. Even about my freedom, about my right of whatever. It didn't matter. I didn't complain about it at all because I heard that. And in that moment, I was like, wow, that was real. That was a real life moment. That was something that happened to me. And it hit me to my soul and vibrated my bones because that was troubling. 999 years. I've never met anybody. I'd never been to prison. I never met anyone in prison that had that extent of uh, time. So I was very, yeah. So it's probably you're hearing that, thinking, let that repel and repeat that as you say things. When things are not going your way, just remember there's somebody out there doing 999 years. And, you know, so yeah. So (laughs) with that being said, being incarcerated, um, when you go through incarceration, the first thing you go through is receiving. Receiving is a process. Just like when you go to jail, when you get booked, it's the same thing except it's an elevated scale of that. So after you've been processed out from jail because they have to process you out and put you in the hands of the state. So that is what happened. I remember it was about nine in the morning and I got dressed out, put back on the clothes that I was admitted into. And I remember thinking, oh, my clothes smell just like wherever I was. I'm like, oh, they smell like regular people. So (laughs) I just, I sniffed my clothes. I continued to think of, okay, I'm gonna be in this car ride for an hour and I'm gonna enjoy it. Well, little did I know I was gonna be in a box with graded um, barbed wires, kind of like symmetry fenced in around me. So all I could see was the road if I squinted. After that, (laughs) the drive was about an hour and 15 minutes. After you do that, you go to intake of prison and then the scale is elevated because when you get into prison, I remember being in, I had um, some cornrows, very, very tiny ones though that I just, you know, braided my hair down every day, every day, I just braided. it. And I remember Miss Harvin was like, you need to take those out, every single one of them. I'm like, you know what, it took me to do this? So she made me take my hair out one by one. I don't know how long it took me and I was so mad because my arms were so hurt and I'm like, geez, I have no control over anything. I have lost control to even braid my own hair. So after that, then they lice you down. They squirt this stuff in your hand that burns your hands the second that you put it in. And you are expected to put this in your hair, your area, and everywhere else that you have hair. Don't put that stuff on because it burns straight off and I swear it singed every piece of hair that you ever, I didn't have fingerprints for like three weeks after holding that stuff. But after that, you wait like two minutes, two or three minutes, rinse it off, new DNA code after you rinse that stuff off and then they issue you your new state uh, clothing, which is tans. So identify. that's how they identify you, at least in South Carolina. All states are different in different colors, but it's about the same. The process is just the colors are different. So South Carolina state was tan. So when you get to receiving, you are tan. But when you hit the yard, you are teal. Hate that color. Oh, I'll never wear teal again. But after being in receiving, you're put in a room with up to three people, up to three women who are constantly at no wit ends telling you their story and why their story and their sentence is unjust 
and they need to be released immediately. That is all I heard when I was in there. I never professed anything or told anybody what I did. They just asked. And when I told them, apparently it was very popular at the moment. So, of course, me being embarrassed, I'm not thinking I want a reputation for that. So I never really spoke about my crime. But being in a room full of women who talk about nothing but the crimes that they've committed and how they are justified in it because of the people they were around. I remember thinking there's just so many excuses that I hear people talking about and saying that it was just so sad. I'm not saying every person was like that, but I majority of that, that's what I heard, excuses. And that's one reason when I started my nonprofit, Recidivism Crushers, I wanted to break that stigma because we don't need that. Women, men, nor, nor juvenile, we don't need that. No excuses at all. You need no excuses to make excuses to break the law because that is what gets you in trouble and keeps you mentally dilapidated from receiving any type of functioning material that helps you grow to nurture your new self. Because I can tell you after prison, well, during prison, I had nothing to do but deal with myself, to deal with what my crime was, who I've hurt, why I'm there. And then top on that, my mental health status for being caged like an animal around nothing but women and their 5,000 personalities. So you multiply that, you have 5 million women in one building. Oh my goodness, it was just awful. And you have women who are bleeding, who are menopausing, who are angry, who are depressed, who are sad, suicidal. You have all of these people who are together in one building. And these people have no idea how to treat, how to house, or how to medicate them because they're just people hired to babysit. Does that make sense? Like you can't really get mad at these COs for not willingly knowing what to do because they're not trained. They're trained with the physical, the tactical era, but not of mental health. I'm sorry, but six weeks of training for any type of mental anything in a prison is not long enough to prepare anyone for what type of job they have to deal with. Prison is not just a building. It is an encamped solitude for people who have broken the law. And throughout the years, it has evolved because they've invented ways to... um, stay disassociated by, you know, getting illicit drugs snuck in, um, staying mentally unaware, abusing the mental health medication. Um, I mean, there's so many things that go on inside the prison that nobody, no one is aware of, but being someone that was in there, watching, seeing for myself, and knowing that the prison is the most corrupt place to be, but we had to stay in there and do our time and leave. Like, I can't tell you how nerve-wracking it was for me every day to wake up and be like, okay, check one day off, check another day off, another day, because I'm doing that in my mind to help me stay focused on, I have a max out. Max out is the day that you leave. If you don't have a max out, then you are infinity. But max out is what everyone normally has. But it's scary 
because you think, what if they try to hold me for something else? And you're not thinking, you're just paranoid. Prison makes you turn into a child, stand in a line, walk with your hands behind your back, no talking, no looking. No, I mean, there's just lots of rules that go on just for you walking to the library. But you lose your freedom and your right of speech, your right of thought. Anything that you thought or that you have now, you do not, nor will you have access to that in prison. And even not in jail. Jail is totally different. See, people believe and think for themselves that jails and prisons are the same. They are two different entities. I will explain. Jail is a building. Within the building, there are separate pods which hold up to 60 to 80 women or persons per unit. So it's like you cut, you take a big square, then you go in, you add, and you make it another square, and you make it another square and another square until you have all these squares, but you fill them up with people. That is what jail is. And you don't go outside other than a birdcage, and you don't get to ramage. They bring all of everything to you. You have books, newspapers that they make you sign out for with your blood and your firstborn child and your, check and your credit score. They bring your food to you. So everything is brought to you when you are in jail, county. When you are in prison, prison is a community. So you have your library, you have your cafeteria, you have your back door that has your admin, your warden, your assistant warden, your nurses, you have the pharmacy, which is the pill line, then you have the gym, then the library, then you have the canteen, which is the store. So you have an area where you're walking, even though you're restricted and you have to walk in a line, all wearing the same color, by the way. Nobody's changed. Nobody can change the colors. Everybody is identical except skin color. It is a community. Prison is a community. Jail is a building. So just remember that for when you watch TV shows and documentaries and movies now. There is a difference. So with that being said, I was just catching you guys up on what it's like to just mentally be mentally ill and go to prison and what it's like to mentally ill and go to jail. Because like I said, they're two different things, but apparently society and our justice system does not look at it like that. They put mentally ill people in prison and mentally ill people do not belong in a prison. They belong in a setting where they can get help. Now there are places that do house people who are admitted through a prison or a jail system, but they keep them in this facility. However, a lot of them are either dilapidated, closed down, run down, um, being sued. There's just so many things, they just send them to prison. And then you have a lot of these people who are just sitting there and doing time, but they're not healing. That is where we have the issue and the problem with the world today. So those are things that people need to reach out and talk about with their congressmen, their legislation, and sit down and pay attention because if we're not re-educating those who are locked up and they're just getting out and that's it, they're not learning anything, what are we doing? What is changing? What is going to happen? Nothing. Nothing is going to change. They're going to go right back into prison or jail or worse, die because nothing is being changed or nothing is being challenged. So let us think 
Let us remember, let us be aware and let us get woke because prison and jail, let me tell you, you don't wanna go to either. You wanna make sure that you have your life together. And if you've been there, it's okay because you know what, I was there. I made my mistakes, I grew from that, I learned, I did what I had to do. However, I regrouped, I refocused, I was remorseful, and I regained everything that I lost because I never really lost it. I just kind of temporarily gave it away or sat it down for a second until I can get my stuff together. That's the hardest thing that I've had to do and that I'm continuing to do is to regroup and refocus and regain because it is hard when you have a record. Even if you haven't done anything, it's just hard. However, when you speak up about why and what your just cause was when you were incarcerated, people listen. People will be more empathetic. And people want to know, they're nosy. They want to know why. Like I said, you are a walking documentary. Let people pick your brain apart because you never know who you could walk into that you could change legislation or legislature in your area. You never know. You could be right in front of the governor. You never know. Okay, guys. Well, that's it for today. I just wanted to ramble off a few things so just to get you educated for the day. But we'll be back again. Thank you for tuning in to X Victory Voices. I am your girl, Caroline Gilmore. Peace and love. And don't and remember, be kind.